and welcome to the Base to Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, do you miss football? <laughs> well, the, the, the short answer to that question is yes. The more complex, long-winded answer is I think this was the first year that for those that celebrate the holiday, and I know I don't because fuck it, it's the worst day of the year. However, for the people that do get the opportunity to celebrate Valentine's Day this year, it was perfect because you just spent the last 20 or so weeks killing your Sundays while your significant other probably was not with you at that time. So now you were able to spend the 21st Sunday after the Super Bowl, after football is done, saying, I'm sorry for not spending time with you on Sundays for the past 20 weeks. Yeah, I thought you were going to say it kind of worked out. I thought you were going to say that now you can actually, for those that were fans of teams that were not so successful, now you can experience an actual uh, successful relationship with a <laughs> Jesus, a loving relationship with somebody. Um, but that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yes. I was not thinking of that, but because, because being a Jets fan is not, it, it's, I mean, over the past decade, it's been borderline abusive. <laughs> Jesus, this is going down a dark hallway. Well, he's uh, heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking at the very least. Yeah. Heartbreaking, definitely. Kind of feel for Maple Leafs fans a little bit. No, fuck them. At least Maple Leafs fans have 13 championships and just only have one. Fuck them. They have one guy in that team. It's John Tavares next. Yeah, well, he's terrible. Hey, well, fuck the Rangers, though. Yeah, no. Just just fuck him. Fuck David Quinn. Fuck Chris Kreider. Fuck Mika Zibanejad. Fuck everybody. Except Artemi Panarin. Beautiful. Quick hot, quick hot take. And I Adam think, Fox. And Adam Fox. I think the worst thing that the Rangers ever did was sign Artemi Panarin to that lar- to that contract because it gave them false hope. Ugh, that's a big yikes. That's a that's a wrong take. That's wrong. No, well, he's great. He's incredible, but it gave them false confidence that they were done with their rebuild, but we're not. No, where they where they went wrong was signing Chris Kreider to the long-term deal, thinking he's like a number one center or something, or, or a winger. He's not. Not anymore. He, on a cup-contending con, cup team, is Chris Kreider a number two winger? Probably not. Meanwhile, this guy's getting first-tier minutes every night, takes stupid penalties, doesn't miss a shift. Meanwhile, Brendan Lemieux takes a penalty that's at least well thought out to try and get the team, you know, get a spark in this flat ass team. And he sits for the entire third period. See, the, the weird thing is that this is the same shit that AV did in 1718. Oh, I miss AV compared to this joke. Well, I mean, at least AV had a lot more experience leading into the job, going into the job than Quinn did. Quinn sucks. Quinn, Quinn doesn't motivate anybody. I think I heard this somewhere on either on the fan or on ESPN radio where they were like, you shouldn't like coaches. First time coaches should not be cutting their teeth and getting experience in markets like New York and Los Angeles. They should be getting their experience 
in smaller to mid-level markets. That's not Phoenix. That's not Phoenix in a toxic work environment. Yes. Right. No, fuck Phoenix. Completely 1000% agree. You shouldn't. They set David Quinn up to fail with this whole rebuild and hopefully, you know, getting over the hump and, they they set him up to fail miserably. A part of me feels sorry for him, and a part of me just despises the man so much that I'm just saying, you know what? Fuck him. He can lie in the bed that he made. It's it, yeah, it just hasn't worked out at all. They played a team that had not played for 19 days. And they got and they lost by three goals. And they got fucking smoked by old ass Pavel Zaka. They got smoked. It should have been three nothing at the end of the first fucking period. I know. The more things change, the more they stay the same. It's true. Kenny Chesney once said that. Great guy. Yes. Great guy. Love him. There was something else I was going to say that just uh, completely escaped my uh, noggin. Oh yes. Uh, Pitchers and catchers report today, Wednesday, 17th. Correct. Let's go, Mets. Let's go, Yankees. Get that. Work on those Lindor and Conforto extensions, please. Uh, go win a championship, boys. So you can win a championship. Go win, Subway, a, cha- go win a championship, boys. Subway Series 2.0. Adam. If that before happens, we, before we, we get, would probably murder each other. Before we get into this. If there is a Subway Series 2.0 in October, the year of our Lord, 2021, we are not doing podcasts together that, that for the entire series. That's I fair. hope you realize that. Yep. It would be the same thing if you were an Islanders fan and it was like an Easter Conference final between the Rangers and the Islanders. I would not talk to you. That's fair. Or if it was Arsenal-Man City on the last match day of the year, winner wins the league. I would not talk to you. Can you imagine if we if we met each other in the Champions League final? I'd be sick. <laughs> I'd be sick because that would, because the referees would try and give you the Champions League. They 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 they, they would try. It's happened before. It's happened before, and it would happen. Yeah. Again. And well, the refs, I mean, and the referees just love to fiddle with us. They love much, it as much as I hate Robin Van Persie for his time at Man United. I mean that that was just you, you had to feel bad for him. For what happened there, and against you Barcelona, wait, you wait for Lona. That's all I have to say. And you know what, Adam, this brings up a very good point. Very good point that you just made. Thank you so much for bringing this up. Okay. For all the people out there who are so saddened and so upset at what's going on at Barcelona right now, how they are just imploding and falling apart. Let me ask you this: Would they feel bad if it was your team? Would they feel bad if your club was the one that was falling apart? Nope. Fuck them. Fuck them. I love it. I wish Mbappe yeah. scored five to well, you, bury them. Basically, it's like the choking singularity because it's like who you can't have. You have two teams that are notorious for blowing second leg leads playing each other in the Champions League, who's going to blow? Who? I mean, what's going to happen? Who's going to not show up? A PSG are too good. 
PSG are, are, are too good. They are not blowing that. There's just no way. There's no way. If they blow it, find, find this clip of this podcast and you could put it on loop for whenever that podcast comes out when Barca come back and beat PSG. They are not losing. Not a chance. All right. But it's fuck rude. Barca. 06, yeah. 06 Champions League final and then the uh, Van Persie incident. That's it. Correct. All right. So anyway, um, enough other sports. Let's go into uh, football, fantasy football. And we did a mock draft last episode and we're do we're not doing a mock draft because we've already done a mock draft and we're going to be looking at it today. And this is, this is different than the Travis Kelsey one. It's completely different. And basically, since it's so hard with everything that's going on in real time of a draft to see value picks and reaches and things like that, it's nice to kind of look at it like, like a postmortem, uh, so to speak, where you can look at all the picks and kind of study for yourself and see where people are going and where maybe you have blind spots because not everybody is like the most perfect drafter in the world. So you got to study your drafts and think about where put, and just think about what your different strategies are and see what other people are doing. Even though they're just computers, it's based off of actual people's opinions on these players. So you can see uh, different strategies and see if they might work for you. Couldn't have said that much better myself. Yep. So we had the fifth pick in the... Uh, in this draft and man i re- these team names that they made up are pretty funny i honestly didn't even look at them because you know oh, really yes because you you know my theory on team names right i don't care i'm in the business of winning championships not coming up with a uh, funny name to get a laugh well you can do you can do both i just i i spend 99.9% of my fantasy brain power on trying to construct a team that is going to dominate. Not trying to come up with a clever, you know, kick in the bum team that's going to make someone just go, ha, 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 ha. Por que no las dos? Huh? It means why not both in Spanish. Right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely no. I, that's what I was gonna that's what I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. Poor poor K. No. L- no. La, no las dos. No poor K no las dos. Yeah. Poor K no las dos. Okay. Good to know. Anyway, so uh we picked fifth overall in this draft. And so the first round went as follows. Christian McCaffrey, 101. Alvin Kamara, 102. Saquon Barkley, 103. Dalvin Cook, 104. We picked Derrick Henry. Devontae Adams went 106. Tyree Kill, 107. Austin Eckler, 108. Jonathan Taylor, 109. And Ezekiel Elliott, 110. I mean, the one surprise for me, I, I don't, is it more of a reach that, um, Austin Eckler went over Jonathan Taylor and Ezekiel Elliott, or do you think that that's just how 
people are, are drafting at this point? Um, I think it just comes down, it comes down to PPR more than anything. And I think people really value the receptions that Austin Eckler gets. Even people want to call him the poor man's Christian McCaffrey. And it's, it, it's fair when you look at the, the statistics, it, it lines up. Um, but me, me personally, I, I do like uh, Jonathan Taylor and Zeke more than Eckler. Um, which is why my value for the round has got to be Ezekiel Elliott at the 10. I think that is a steal. And, oh, yeah. we'll, and we'll look at that team uh, going further. I actually like that team a lot in terms of the, the overall construction of the team. Uh, there is a soft spot with this team that I'm not necessarily, you know, too crazy about but we'll we'll talk about it when we get there but overall just looking at the team right now it's a good team and i and i like it the value for me was was zeke at that at that spot and if there was a a reach here i don't know if i would call it a reach but for me uh saquon over dalvin cook that that i was gonna say that too that for me is the one where i me personally i'd be taking dalvin cook oh yeah because especially since uh, Saquon Barkley coming off a knee injury. He's had that injury history. You you don't know what he's going to be like um, in in 2021. I mean, also, it's maybe it's canceled out by the fact that this, this is a contract year for Saquon Barkley, is it not? Um, yes. It he's is. playing for his cash. He's playing for his cash. And, I mean, here's, here's one also, and I don't know. Maybe we've talked about this. Maybe we haven't. Would you rather have Saquon Barkley or Derrick Henry? I'd rather have Derrick Henry. I, I think would rather, I'd rather have Derrick Henry as well. Full disclosure. Even in even in PPR, I'd rather have Derrick Henry. PPR, I'd rather have Henry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think he's safer. Yeah. No, he's definitely safer. He gets the he gets the usage. The fact of the matter is, is that. The the amount of receptions that Derrick Henry does not get is made up for by the amount of carries that Derrick Henry does get. Fair. So yeah, kind of that, that's fair. It cancels it's, itself out. Yeah, I mean, if you could tell me that you know he's only going to come down with 25, 30 receptions over the course of the year, but he's going to be a two thousand yard back. You know, you take some, you lose some. But at the same time, it is also the odds of Derrick Henry being a 2000 yard back again are slim to none. Right. So you need to factor in the regression. You know, what does this regression look like? Is he a 16, 1700 yard back? Is he still double the touchdowns? If he could be, if you're telling me he could be a 16 to 1700 yard back and have 12, 13 touchdowns, I would say five is a great spot for him. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Derrick Henry, like, sure, people might say that you're leaving points on the table with his lack of PPR upside, but it's just that all the yards are just in the same place. You know, the receiving yards are just going into your rushing yards at that point. Well, when we were doing this, Adam, you wanted to take Devontae Adams. Why did you want to take Devontae over Henry? I think I th- it's tough. I, w- I would have gone with either, but I think I would rather – I would have rather had Devonte Adams just because of 
which I mean, honestly, it turned out it turned out better that we didn't take Devontae Adams in the second I was, round. I was about to say swift, nice little transition going into round two, <laughs> because if we had taken Devontae Adams, we probably would have been screwed with, with right. this draft ended up playing out. But I didn't know that at this at that point. But I just want to take Devontae Adams because um he has that PPR upside PPR upside also, and he has the the touchdown numbers and he has a really high floor as the yes, number one receiver in an Aaron Rodgers led offense. But yeah, so the second round, um, after Ezekiel Elliott, this uh that team went running back again with Nick Chubb, and then Aaron Jones went at the 202. And then Stefan Diggs went at 203. DeAndre Hopkins went at 204. DK Metcalf went at 205. And then we picked Calvin Ridley at 206. DeAndre Swift went at 207. Michael Thomas, 208. Travis Kelsey. The Travis Kelsey setting, 209. And A.J. Brown at 210. So yeah, if we had picked uh, Devontae Adams, we kind of we we would have been fucked. I am, I'm torn with this round because a part of me wants to say Kelsey at the two nine is a value. I really like deep down, I want to say that Travis Kelsey at the two nine is a value, which is kind of nuts for a for a tight end. Well, if we we were just made, literally a week ago, we did a draft where we picked him in the first round, and we actually got a good team. We got a yeah. solid team with Travis Kelsey in the first round. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, if I had to pick someone that is was a bit overdrafted here, for me, it's Aaron Jones at the 2-2, but I, I've never been a big Aaron Jones guy. So... I'm I'm a bit biased there. Um, other than that, I I like everybody else in this spot. Maybe DeAndre Swift at the two seven. I'm not a crazy fan of. I think you know when spoiler alert, we go into the next round. Antonio Gibson was taken at the three four. Um, I'd rather have Antonio Gibson at three four over DeAndre Swift at the two seven. Ironically enough, that went did go to the same team. So. But even even then, I think if you're in if you're in that second round spot and you love Antonio Gibson, you, you take Antonio Gibson in the second round and you and you just say you know whatever because Antonio Gibson can be really good. Yeah, so. I think. Yeah, the interesting thing about Aaron Jones is that at this point right now he is a good pick, but if he goes somewhere and becomes his own guy, you know, becomes the number one undisputed number one in a backfield. Then this pick at two at the two hundred two might be more more reasonable, I guess, more understandable. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think so. But it also just depends on where Aaron Jones also goes in in free agency. If he's back in Green Bay, then I think he's kind of the same guy as he was. Uh, if he goes somewhere else, then you could see Aaron Jones get a bump. Say Aaron Jones goes to Buffalo, like we talked about in the bold prediction show. If Aaron Jones ends up in Buffalo, then, you know, you could see Aaron Jones be talked about as a potential first round back. Well, that would be pretty nuts. It would be. It would be very nuts. And, I mean, well, let's just say Aaron Jones goes to Buffalo. Would you take Aaron Jones, Buffalo Bill over Nick Chubb? 
Yes. Would you take Aaron Jones, Buffalo Bill over Zeke? Oh, fuck. I think that's not close for me. Okay. Who is yours then? Zeke. Not close. Not close. Okay. I I think the I think the guy that it would people would compare would compare to would be I would take Jones over Chubb. I would. Would you take Aaron Jones in Buffalo over Jonathan Taylor? That's the one I think people would would compare a bit. I don't think you can compare Jones to Eckler because they're 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 very different. In Eckler, you know, is going to be a short bet for the receptions and uh, the, the all-purpose yards, everything like that. Whereas Jones, you know, you you know what you're going to get out of Aaron Jones. He's going to be ground and pound. He'll get you your receptions as well, but not as much as Eckler, and he'll get you the short-fire touchdowns. But it's kind of the same thing with Jonathan Taylor. So who would you rather have, Taylor or Jones on Buffalo? I think I'd rather have Jones in Buffalo. That, that one's not close for me either. There's so many, there's so many, so many, so many different things that need to fall into place because you have what's going to happen with Singletary and Moss if Aaron Jones signs with Buffalo. Yep. Who is the quarterback going to be in in Indianapolis? Um, because with Philip Rivers a quarterback, Jonathan Taylor was amazing, but I mean, if it's Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold. Who knows? Well, I think I think we know how Indianapolis wants to go as a football team, and that's through their offensive line and through their running game. That's right. the way they're built. So even even if Carson Wentz goes goes in there, which I'm hearing, uh, despite reports that you know there hasn't been much movement on that front, uh, I hear that it's more likely than not that. Philadelphia ends up trading Carson Wentz to Indianapolis. So if that is true and he does go to Indianapolis and Carson Wentz there, I think it only adds to Jonathan Taylor. I think, I think Frank Reich is going to know that he doesn't want to put so much onto Carson Wentz and to give him more of a, more of an even offense, which is going to help him in the long run because you have him, going to be behind a very strong offensive line and then you have a great running game to support him it's going to help Carson Wentz and it's going to be great for for Jonathan Taylor what I expect to be a full-on massive year for for Jonathan Taylor I mean I have him right now he's very close to being the number six running back that I have I have him at number seven but it's very hard to keep him behind Zeke very 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 hard Okay, I could see that. Definitely. My heart is what's keeping me from putting Jonathan Taylor ahead of ahead of Zeke. That's a weird way of saying fandom. It, yes, it is. But no, I mean I I think there's definitely more upside, you know, when I just throw fandom out the window and I put on, you know, this very unbiased lens. I think there is more upside for Jonathan Taylor than there is for, for Zeke. Okay. Yeah, well, I think that Zeke is more established right now than Jonathan Taylor because he's been doing it for for a couple of years, as opposed to Jonathan Taylor, who is ju- is only going into his second year in twenty twenty one. Right, but then you need to factor in the workload that that Zeke has gotten over the last couple of years, which is massive, and we have not seen. 
I don't think we've seen any running back take on that kind of work and hold up. You know, it's really been Derrick Henry and Zeke. You know, we yeah. see we see Todd Gurley completely fall off the cliff. DeMarco Murray, after one year when he had the massive, massive touch load, fell off a cliff. Uh, it, it, you know, I'm not saying that Zeke is close to that because I just think he is just such a well-polished, well-maintained athlete. You have to be concerned about it, though. You definitely have to be, especially after last year, where it just looked like Zeke was, I don't want to say not interested in playing because he didn't have Dak, but it just kind of looked like Zeke was not the Zeke that we all know. And I think I think I'm sounding like Captain Obvious right now when I say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, consider that last year he was going at the spot that Saquon Barkley was going at, and now he's at 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 one ten. Yeah, people were taking Zeke and, and Barkley before they were taking Alvin Kamara and Delvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Yep, exactly. Derrick Henry. All right, so for the third round, George Kittle kicked off the third round at 301. Then Patrick Mahomes at 302. Julio Jones, 303. This is the aforementioned Antonio Gibson pick at 304. And then we selected Allen Robinson at 305. Justin Jefferson went at 306, Darren Waller at 307, Chris Godwin, 308, Keenan Allen, 309, and Miles Sanders at 310. This is a tough round to judge. This is a really tough round to judge because I think think all the guys, believe it or not, are actually picked in the appropriate spots. I don't think there's anybody in this round that is a, a value. I don't think there's anybody in this in this round that's a that's an overdraft. I I think that this is pretty much where it should be. Now I will say the one guy in this round that I think could be a value if all pans out for him is Mr. Three Three, Julio Jones. If Julio pans out and he could stay healthy, Julio will easily, easily outperform where he was drafted. With without a doubt, oh yeah, definitely. And even you know, like Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson could definitely also over overperform their their draft position. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Justin Jefferson is a tricky one because there there are a lot of whispers that I've heard that Minnesota could be adding a receiver in this draft and just oh going balls to the wall offensively, which scares me for Irv Smith because I love Irv Smith, but also kind of scares me for Thielen and also kind of scares me for Jefferson a little bit because they would have to share the load. And again, it all comes back down to the, to the Dallas argument from last year. People were so scared off of Amari Cooper and, and Michael Gallup and, and even Zeke to an extent because there were just too many mouths to feed in the Dallas offense. A lot of people love Adam Thielen. And a lot of people love, 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 love Justin Jefferson. Would people be so shy to go in on that offense or would people just throw it out the window for the sake of their own argument, you know, that they just love Justin Jefferson so much. They're just going to be going all out to get him. So that's going to be interesting to see what would, uh, what would happen. And after, after the draft, it's going to be just so much of roster dissection and just going and talking about each team and looking at, you know, guys or, that maybe got a boost or guys that maybe took a little bit of a, of a hit 
And I can tell you, I can tell you right now that my ranks are going to change so much from the last week of April to the first week of May, just after the draft. It's going, it's going to be bananas. Oh yeah. Well, now you have all the fresh storylines from the draft. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you'll be looking at guys that were drafted and, and you know, there'll be that one guy that goes into a certain spot and you just say, Oh my God, you know, he's going to be a, a top 20 back. Say it's like a Travis Etienne and he goes to a Miami or he goes to a Jacksonville or he goes to a whichever team needs a running back, um, a, a New England or a New York or New York or to the jets, you know, something, something like that. You know, you'll see that and people will just say, Oh my God, I love, I love Travis Etienne. I have, I have to draft him. you know? Yeah. Or like whoever goes to Jacksonville and say, Oh wow. Yeah. 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 Or we're talking about James Robinson who was drafted here at the four or five. We're talking about James Robinson hopping up a full round. And James yes, Robinson well, now being in this discussion of the Swift, Gibson, Sanders sort of group. Right. Well, let's go into that fourth round, shall we? Surely. So Robert Woods kicks off the fourth round at 401. And then Mike Evans at the 4-2. Josh Jacobs, 403. Joe Mixon, 4-4. James Robinson, aforementioned, at 4-5. And then our selection was... Cameron Akers. I don't know if that's his full name, but it's Cam. Cam Akers. That's a king. He's great. I think what you meant to what you meant to say was King Akers. King Cam Akers. He is a king. And after Cam Akers, King Cam Akers was Kenny Galladay. Yes. Would you like to hear a fun fact about Mr. Cam Akers? Yes. What is it? What is it? So his full name is Cam Akers. Oh, no, it's not uh, not sure for anything. Nope. Okay. Just Cam. But his birthday. He is a great birthday. Oh, God. It's your it's the same birthday as you. Really? Day after. Oh, June 22nd. That is funny. I, I knew I was attracted to him for some reason. All right, then. Oh, not like that, you pervert. I said, I'm saying all right, then, as in let's move on to the next pick, which mm-hmm, is Kenny Galladay. I'm sure. I'm the next, sure. The next pick, which is Kenny Galladay. It's purely platonic, I know. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I, I, just see, I, just see, I just see Mr. Galladay, and I just have this urge. After Galladay. Uh, the people, the people who listen to this podcast, they 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 know what's up. Clearly, uh, Terry McLaurin went four hundred eight. Clyde Edwards Hilaire went four hundred nine. Reach alert! Reach alert! Reach alert! <laughs> and DJ Moore at four ten. Uh, the value of the round is Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the four nine. Really? Mm-hmm. Re- re- you're not going to over Cam Akers. I think Clyde. I would take Cam Akers over Clyde, but I think Clyde at the four nine is a good is a good spot. Well, just because people are going to overdraft him, overdraft who? 
Clyde. I think Clyde at that spot's on an overdraft. I think it's a. I think it's a value. No, I'm saying people are. I'm saying you're thinking it's a. Are you thinking it's a value because people are going to draft Clyde earlier? I think it's a value because I believe he should be drafted earlier. Now I don't know if he will be because of everything that happened last year and how people have just kind of soured on him. But it's great for people that didn't have him and aren't soured on him because now they can take him out of value. This is what I'm talking about. This, this is the kind of post hype sleeper that we need with Mr. Clyde Edwards Alaire at, at the four nine. Uh, If there's a, why am I afraid of this? I'm afraid of this happening to Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. Oh, a thousand percent. I'm very afraid of this percent. happening. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think the one thing to to point out is after last year, I've kind of figured out what you need to do with the rookies. And that is, if you're going to take a rookie running back, you need to hold on to them for as long as you can. Obviously, if you're 0 and 6, you need to drop the rookie if he hasn't panned out. But if you're 5 and 2, if you're 4 and 3, if you're whatever, and you're in a winning position, hold on to your rookies. Because look at the rookies that panned out after the halfway point of the season last year. J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers. Those kind of guys are what win you championships. Cam Akers, we saw it. J.K. Dobbins, we saw it. Jonathan Taylor, we saw it from him as well. That end of the year, they were fucking dynamite. They were very, very good, yes. So if you're going to take a Travis Etienne, if you're going to take a Najee Harris, you better be prepared to play the long game with them because that that is not a pick. It's an investment. Exactly. It is an investment. So take them and be prepared that you are going to be short one roster spot to make moves because they are going to be on your bench until you have the confidence to play them. And if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out, but I think you would rather play the long game and wait with them and see if they're not going to get the opportunity versus waiting four or five weeks, cutting them, and then having to go fight for them on waivers or whatever when they do have that big breakout game. Luckily, you do listen to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, and you were well aware that Cam Makers was about to pop off weeks before, before it actually happened because yours truly – let you know i was gonna say or worse you can see him succeeding on another person's team and leading that person's team to a championship that is the worst thing of all the worst case scenario yes that is the absolute worst possible scenario because he would be the guy that got away the one that got away yep and it helps somebody else win a championship yep what if you get a medal for that Probably you probably get it. Probably get a a nice participation trophy on the side. Maybe um, a ribbon. Oh yes, a ribbon. If the, if there's a reach in this round, I mean Kenny Galladay, kind of, um, but he can go in in in, in any which way. I think if he he signs with a good team that will help him, then I think he could be going up. If he signs with a team like the Jets, then I would not be taking Kenny Galladay before round five. Can't believe you've done this. Uh, can't believe you've done this. <laughs>
talking about? Kenny Galladay, a great receiver. He's going to have Deshaun Watson throwing him touchdowns. I don't know what you're talking about. We could use him at Liverpool. We need a bunch of centre-backs. Jurgen Klopp thinking about quitting. And we have no Virgil van Dijk. No Joe Matip. But we have no Salah. We have Sadio Mane. Roberto Firmino. It's been a while. All, all great players. All great it's players. A, it's been a while. James mm-hmm. Milner. All great players that play for Liverpool. Well, Mr. Carragher, can you come out of uh, retirement to play center back for Liverpool? Oh, sure. Sure. I'll come out. I'll come out and, and reti- out of retirement and play for Liverpool. Play next to Sani Omani. To Mo Salah. To Alisson. To get his head out of his arse, mate. No, his head can stay there. He is absolute rubbish. He is rubbish. That's because Ederson is the best Brazilian goalkeeper. Well, yes, he is the best Brazilian goalkeeper, but the best goalkeeper all around is a German man that plays in the uh, in the Premier League. Oh, I was about to say. Mr. Burned. Number two, number two, however, is a Mr. is a Argentinian man who also plays in the Premier League. <laughs> Mr. Emmy Martinez. Great guy. But you sold him to Villa. We did. Oh, okay. I still love Emmy. He's a great guy. It's a king. Yeah. What's a gunner? Well, what's a gunner? Always a gunner. We're not like we're not like Man City who that, that we sell the players on and then three years later later we forget that they ever played for us. Well, I love well, I don't know if I love Claudio Bravo. It's about but... to say, do you do you do you love Nolito? Do you love Scott Sinclair? I'd rather not talk about it. Do you love Colotore? Mm. Disgraceful. Colotore is one of our own. Yeah, yeah, it's better. Colo is a king. That's that's an invincible. Anyway, for all all of your trophies, Colo's got the only gold one. So uh, I might have sounded my reach alert alarm a bit too early because the top of the fifth round is a reach alert. T. Higgins, 501. Why? I don't know. I don't know. This, this, this just does not make any sense. It, uh, it looks worse the further you go into this round. Because Amari Cooper went at the 502. Josh Allen, 503. King and King. Deontay Johnson, 504. Not a king. We picked Adam Thielen at the 505. Absolute king. Terrible name, though. Terrible name. Phenomenal name. Terrible. Phenomenal. Disgraceful. J.K. Dobbins went at 506. Cooper Cup, 507. Brandon Ayuk, 508. Juju Smith Schuster, 509. And C.D. Lamb at 510. Um, I'm going to sound very, very homery right now. So forgive me. 
Uh, CD Lamb at the five ten is just an unbelievable value. Give me CD Lamb at the five ten over T against the five one, easy. And I mean, if you told me that come draft day, CD Lamb was being taken in the fourth round, I wouldn't be surprised because there's so much hype around CD. So you think he's going to go higher than he is right now? It's possible. It is, it is remotely possible that someone loves CD so much that they take him in the fourth round over Amari Cooper, which is crazy to me. But I wouldn't me, be surprised if it were to happen. Me thinks my co-host is projecting. No, I, I, I know people who would. That's the thing. Okay. There are so many people that's gonna be a, a, that I know that I've talked to about drafts already that they love CD Lamb. And I just keep saying to them, yes, I understand that the, the potential is so exciting. I totally get it. But you're going to take C.D. Lamb was in his second year over Amari Cooper, who just had another 1,000-yard season. Very, very quietly, again, may I add. With, a ter- with terrible quarterbacks for most of the season. Yeah. yeah. With Andy Dalton, the worst quarterback in the land. And Ben DiNucci for one game. Excuse me. You apologize to Ben Danuch right now. He is a great member of my culture. I will defend Ben Danuch until I die. That's a great man. I'm waiting you for be, your apology. You can be a great man, but you can also be a terrible quarterback. He was not a terrible quarterback. He was a great quarterback. He's much better than Andy Dalton. Well, he definitely has more potential than Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton sucks. Ben Danuch, king. Ben Danuch. So the sixth round is a bit more interesting. Oh, I didn't. Uh, even, I didn't even give my uh, my my reach. We didn't even talk about uh, T Higgins. Okay, so talk about T Higgins, shall we? Th- this is the T Higgins discussion, isn't it? Um, it is. I mean, it's so obvious. It just hits you right in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I know a lot of people that love T. Higgins. And I would say this to people that are listening to this podcast. If you like a guy, right, but you don't love him, but you hear other guys that are in your league, let's say, that absolutely love the same guy, right? Try and talk them up. Talk them up as much as you can. Push their price. Because guess what? When you have someone like T. Higgins that is getting talked about and hyped up so much like he is, somebody else is going to fall to your lap as a result of T. Higgins being pushed up. So this is just textbook strategy. Just keep talking as many guys up as you possibly can, and you're bound to get somebody that you really want. So, I mean, I know last year, again, I think I've told this story about a thousand times. I was in a spot where I was between Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon in the second round, and I pushed that I loved Le'Veon Bell. I think Le'Veon Bell was going to be in for a bounce-back year, that he was a steal in the second round, or in the third round, and I loved it. I wanted to take him desperately when well, I didn't. When I, hope I didn't, you were right. When I didn't, I yes, had no interest in that whatsoever. And I was hoping that someone would hear me and 
take that bait. And it worked. And it worked. And I ended up with the guy that I really wanted all along, which was Amari Cooper and James Conner. Now, the Conner one didn't necessarily work out. But to be honest, we look back at the second, third round of running backs last year. There really wasn't a guy that necessarily panned out. Maybe like a Jonathan Taylor was the one I really should have gone for. But in any event, that's what we're talking about in terms of just overall draft strategy that can help you. This is one that we are talking about where you're pushing up T Higgins to get somebody that you want. All part of the plan. I mean, it is fascinating in that way, but if it works, it works. Then you're like, thanks. Cause I'm sure the guy who picked Amari Cooper is like, well, thanks for the, thanks for the number one receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And even us at the five, five, thank you very much for Adam Thielen. Yeah. Thanks. And that, and Adam Thielen, uh, just going running, but running down who our team is Adam Thielen is our third receiver. Yeah. And he is really good. Our, our team is right now, Derek Henry, Cam Akers, Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, and Adam Thielen. That's a really good team to start off. It's a really good core a nucleus to build around. That's a very good nucleus to build around. I would agree because you have a low end. I would even say two low end wide receiver ones, and then a high end wide receiver two. there. So, you know, I think it's a very, very good foundation to build around and two very good running backs as well. So I think, you know, the first five, first five rounds, I think we did all right. Yeah. Um, so for the sixth round, Mark Andrews went at the 601. Tyler Boyd went at the 602. DJ Chark, 603. Odell Beckham Jr., 604. Will Fuller, 605. It's a bit of a weird one. Um, 606. Our selection was David Montgomery. TJ Hawkinson went at the 607. Tyler Lockett went at the 608. Cortland Sutton, 6.09, and Kyler Murray, 6.10. Uh, David Montgomery, the value of the round, I oh, think, yeah. for us. Well, I was going to say that we were we didn't even think that um, David Montgomery was going to be here at the, at the 6.06, and we were very surprised that he was. Yeah, I, I even was surprised that David Montgomery was was here at the 606. But, I mean, we were looking at someone that could really round out the running back group, and Montgomery just happened to fall into uh, into our lap. So, yeah, Montgomery at the 606, I, uh, I do actually like that one a lot. Uh, in terms of our reach in this round, um, I would say prob- probably Will Fuller. Probably. Yeah. But again, he's he's another one that, you know, he goes to, let's just say he goes to Green Bay, right? You're talking Will Fuller could be going in the f- the top of the fifth, early part of the fourth, and uh, uh, late part of the fourth, excuse me. Uh, and I don't think anybody would be quite frankly surprised. Honestly, if it, with the depending on the hype, he might go in the early part of the fourth. Yeah, he could. He definitely could. And, and he, he is another guy with the strategy that we were talking about in terms of hyping guys up. He is another one 
he is another one that you should be trying to hype up. Oh, yeah, I love Will Fuller. He's the best. He's going to be so good. <laughs> He's going to be so amazing. You should take him first overall. I think I would, I would per, you know, if I was in your situation, I would probably take him with the, with the fifth pick of the first round or something. You know, if I was in your situation. Jesus. Uh, before we go into the seventh round, Adam. Yes. We're going to take a little, a little break. We're going to do a joke break. Okay. What kind of car does a sheep like to drive? What kind of car? A Lamborghini. <laughs> it's good. That's very good. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's a fun one. I love that. I have another one for you. Okay. One more. Now let's go to the seventh round. Mm-hmm. What's the most patriotic sport? Flag football. Wow. Very good. <laughs> very impressed. You killed my punchline, but very good. <laughs> very good. I haven't even heard that one. I just guessed. So for the, for the back half of this draft, um, we're going to go and talk about players that are values and are busts. We're not going to go round by round. For the uh, sake of time and your mental sanity. Exactly. So we're just going to, we're just going to go into it. And throughout this second half of the draft, we're going to see who is, who's a bust, who are values. We're going to give three, three each. So do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, value. AJ Dillon the 11-5, especially if Aaron Jones is out. If Aaron Jones does not return to Green Bay, and even if Jamal Williams is there, I think A.J. Dillon is going to be an absolute steal at the 11-5. And I can guarantee that if Aaron Jones is not back, A.J. Dillon is going to be someone that shoots up draft boards. So uh, if you're in Dynasty Leagues, I think he is a great, great, great buy low right now. Um, much can be said about someone like Corey Davis. So, I mean, I would, I would be looking at impending free agents and guys behind them and things like that in terms of great uh, dynasty buys. So a little, a little dynasty bit for uh, all the dynasty players out there. So you're welcome. I'm looking out for you too. Uh, in terms of a reach, uh, Debo Samuel, 7-2. Um, I'm not a Debo Samuel guy. I will never be a Debo Samuel guy. I just don't think he's reliable enough for me. And so I'm going to go hype, hop on that train. I'm going to say Debo Samuel is a uh, is a bad value. I'm going to say one one reach. Um, I think it's Kenyon Drake at the 705. I've never been too big of a fan of Kenyon Drake. The guy you uh, made us take. I didn't make you take. I didn't. We we didn't have we didn't have too many options. I would have ta- I would have taken Kareem Hunt over him. Really? This nice. that is not what I I did not okay. That's not what I gathered from the conversation <laughs> that we had before the draft. <laughs> that is not what I gathered. I was like, I'm not crazy about Kenyon Drake. I th- I would have rather had either Kareem Hunt or maybe even I mean we kind of needed a quarterback. We it kind of worked out, but you know, if we could have, if we're just talking specifically about running backs, 
I mean, uh, Miles Gaskin went about a round later at the 810. Kareem Hunt went at the 707. I think I'd probably rather have uh, both of those players over Kenyon Drake at this point. Yeah. And then for a value pick, you already mentioned Corey Davis. Greatest I don't want to let Corey Davis. Listen, I'm not going to be a homer and mention Jameson Crowder, but he he's a value at, at the 1001. He he most certainly is. As you know, you're a new offense that see that seems like it's going to be taking advantage of uh, Jameson Crowder's skill set, potentially a new quarterback, a potentially better quarterback, even a better version of Sam Darnold in 2021, if that's the decision, the direction that the Jets want to go in. I like Jameson Crowder at the at the 1001. But I think that a a value here, uh probably Leonard Fournette at the at the eleven oh seven. Um you know he signed a prove it deal in Tampa Bay and what he proved is that he still had he still has it in him to be a, a solid running back. And there were times that he's shown in 2020 that he has the potential to still be that guy. Um, when, especially, you know, when Ronald Jones was, was out, he had, he showed the potential to be that, that kind of guy where he can take the load and be serviceable RB one. So depending on where, cause he only signed a one year deal in Tampa Bay. So depending on where he goes, he could be a really good pick in this draft. And yeah, I have, I'm actually going to go away from the running backs and the receivers here. I'm actually going to go and talk about quarterbacks and tight ends. Okay. And the one guy that I don't love for where he went was Dallas Goddard at the nine five. Um, We took him there. Uh, Adam is more of a Dallas Goddard guy than I am. I don't have Dallas Goddard inside my top 12. I just really am down on the Eagles uh, pretty much universally. So, um, yeah, I'm not the the biggest fan of the Goddard pick of the 9-5. I mean, I'm a big fan of the tight ends that ended up going later, and this is what I've been preaching all along, is if you're not taking a Kelsey, if you're not taking a Kittle, you're not taking a Waller or a Hawkinson or even a Mark Andrews necessarily, you're better off waiting till the back because you can – Look at some of the other guys that are just were taken later. Logan Thomas, the 11-3. John Smith, the 11-6. Gesicki, 11-8. Uh, Jarwin, 13-9. Robert Tunyon, 13-6. Uh, Tyler Higby, 14-7. Zach Ertz, if he's not in Philadelphia, let's say he goes to Indianapolis and he's reunited with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz will be a great pick, and he's someone that I would love a lot. Oh, my God. Um, you know, that's where I think I would be just deciding, you know what, go – Go back at the bus and and grab yourself a uh, a tight end. So the Goddard the Goddard pick I don't necessarily love. The one pick that I do love, and I'm very upset that we did not take this pick, um, was Joe Burrow, the 14-5. And if all reports are to be believed, that Joe Burrow will be ready in time for training camp, and that he will at least be attempting to give it a go, uh, week one of the 2021 season, then Joe Burrow at the 14-5 is just going to be a hell of a steal because we know what kind of player Joe Burrow is. He's competitive, 
And there's no way that he is going to let that kind of injury uh, weigh him down. And I think he's going to come back. He's come back with a vengeance. And I think he could be in for a very surprising bounce back in, in 2021 after what was a devastating, devastating, devastating knee injury uh, in 2020. I mean, that's maybe me being a bit hopeful with that, given the extent of the injury. But um, I'm a believer in the talent. And I think that talent shines before anything else. Yeah, I th- I was gonna say uh, Zach Ertz is gonna be one of my values because that for this 14th round as a whole of tight ends is pretty nuts. You yeah, talked that's, about- that's what I was talking about. That we could, we could wait, we could yeah. wait. And the best thing about this is that the the team that picked up Zach Ertz in the 14th round already has Logan Thomas as their starting tight end. So you have you you're not counting on Zach Ertz to be your starting tight end. And you have Logan Thomas. And if Zach Ertz ends up being incredible, then bingo, that's gravy. You have you can start Zach Ertz. And you have two very good starting caliber tight ends. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if you were looking for a response from me. Yeah. I, I yeah, was I, a little. Yeah, I, I love Zach Ertz. I love Zach Ertz in, in uh in that spot because I just think I think again, it comes down to what I said with Joe Burrow. Talent shines at the end of the day and i think he just needs a change of scenery desperately he's in philadelphia i won't love him he's outside of philadelphia i love him yeah um as far as reaches we kind of covered we caught we covered a lot of these a lot of these reaches oh there's one i haven't even got to yet which i'm saving okay well i can't really think of one at the moment which one what is your reach i have two todd Gurley at 13 8 Le'Veon bell 12 8 well, I was going to say Todd Gurley, but that, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, low-hanging fruit. We've talked at length about how Todd Gurley is undraftable. Uh, Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley should not be drafted anywhere. Anywhere, period. Period. Um, if you want one is isn't as obvious, would, 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 would you like that one instead? Yes. Uh, one that isn't as obvious, I think, is a reach. Um, and it's kind of it's hard just because you know we're we're getting to the later part of the draft where you're just taking guys that have upside and guys that you like, and you know value doesn't really mean as much. Um, Tariq Cohen, I, I I just think that David Montgomery has established himself as the guy in Chicago, and I don't know what kind of role Tariq Cohen is going to have upon returning to uh, to the Bears. So. I would say it's probably one that I would avoid and I would only be looking to take Cohen if you have Montgomery. Yeah. I think another value really is Tony Pollard. I think mm, we saw Yeah. Tony Pollard at the twelve at the twelve three. He's a guy that's shown that he has standalone value in Dallas. And if Dallas wants to for some reason cut down Ezekiel Elliott's workload or if Ezekiel Elliott picks up a picks up a knock like he did uh, in 2020, then Tony Pollard is going to be very valuable. And he is a guy that you can, that you can plug in when there's, when there's some sort of injury crisis or starting running back crisis, controversy, whatever in Dallas, and you can get something out of him. He is not, he is a handcuff unlike any other handcuff in the NFL right now. Yep. Yep. I like that one a lot, Adam. I like that one a lot because even 
even if he's not, even if he's not the guy, he'll have his moments because the coaching staff wants to give him his touches. So he'll be getting more of the work, I think, than people think. Uh, if you have Zeke, you need to take Tony Pollard. That That is priority number one. And I know I think Pollard going in the, 12, the 12th round, if you own Zeke, take him in the 9th to the 10th just to have him. Just to have him and know you have that backfield on lock. Also to make sure that nobody else takes him because nobody else is going to take him in the ninth round besides you. Correct. So that is an instance where an overdraft is okay because you are protecting yourself from any unfortunate injury. Because let's say Zeke goes down. Tony Pollard is an RB1. Tony Pollard is an RB1. Yep. And we know we could play. We we know we could play because we've seen it. Exactly. Uh, you want one more, uh, one more value and one more uh, reach for me, and then we can uh, we can call it. Works for me. Okay, so a value for me, I think right now Travis Etienne at the nine six is a is a value for me just because when he does get drafted, um, I believe he's going to just shoot up, and that's a little frightening at least for me. And in terms of a reach, um, I'm going to go with Naeem Hines. At the 10-10, just because I don't know what kind of role he has outside just being a third down uh, pass catching back for uh, for the Colts. So, Naeem Honestly, Hines, Naeem Hines yeah. is one for me. I mean, another one, is, another one could definitely be Marlon Mack. Just talking about the Indianapolis Colts and that crazy running back situation. Um, Marlon Mack, it doesn't seem like he, you know, he missed most of the season with the Achilles injury. And now he's coming back and Jonathan Taylor has Wally pipped him to his job. And it doesn't seem like there's a role for Marlon Mack. I don't know if he's going to be a free agent in the off season, but um, he might be a free agent just because the Colts might just say, all right, see you later. We have, we have our tandem with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. Yeah, that's true. So I think at the, at the 12th round, Taking Marlon Mack over, I mean, the running backs that we're taking here aren't don't really inspire too much confidence, but at least most of them, aside from maybe Todd Gurley, you know that they have jobs and that they have touches like James White, Darrell Henderson, and Phil Lindsay. You know that there's value there mm-hmm. and they have roles in the offense and you just can't guarantee that with Marlon Mack. I don't know about James White just because the Patriots are just so desperately terrible. So desperately terrible. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? You love it. Yes, I I, I am aware. Welcome to our world, New England. Yeah, true. Maybe you go for go through quarterback after quarterback for the next 50 years looking for the successor. See how that see how that helps. That's also a very fair and very valid point. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Woo! You can you can find all episodes of the Fantasy Show, as well as the Basement Talk Podcast, the Debate, and the Quizvitational, and that's all on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Please leave us a five-star review, like, comment, whatever, subscribe, whatever your platform allows you to do, please do so. So you can be updated and you can see 
when we release new episodes and you can listen to them first and tell all your friends about them. Tell all the friends. All of your friends. All of the friends. All of the friends. Put it on a billboard. Put it on a fucking billboard. Put it on a t-shirt. That's right. Put it on a t-shirt. So for my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I am Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye. Bye.